This is episode number 495 of G220 Radio. Tonight, we're going to be off the cuff. We are off the cuff here tonight on G220 Radio. That means we really have no idea where we could go. Well, we have some idea. There are a few things that we do have lined up, like I've got a video over here ready to play. Uh, we've got a few things that we have thrown out there, but it was kind of even just today that it was thrown out there like, hey, let's just kind of go off the cuff here and talk about whatever comes to mind here tonight on the program. Uh, it's been a challenging week for me um health wise just hadn't been feeling too good and you know what's interesting about not feeling too good i think it's probably because i put out a video against cleveland street preacher joseph abraham um and that's probably why i'm not feeling good because i had seen one of his latest quote-unquote sermons that he does um Joseph Abraham, Cleveland Street Preachers, started his own church downtown somewhere. And they basically, on some on Sundays, when he's in town, he goes down to Public Square or an area in Cleveland, and they just do church. Takes his speaker, takes his you know um, little crew that he has with them, and they just go out there and he preaches like an hour-long message, which really isn't expository <laughs> or anything like that. But I saw one, and I saw the title, and it was something to do with slander and gossip. So I listened to it. And usually when I'm at work, I could just speed it up, double speed on YouTube, and I kind of get through it pretty fast. And he brought me up. Like, he literally brought me up in the in the thing. Man. He was doing the whole, um, uh, what are the, the prosperity preachers, the health, wealth, and prosperity preachers love to do? Like, don't touch God's anointed. When you speak badly uh -huh. of God's prophets and ministers, things are going to yeah. happen to you. And so he was speaking about some other individual who uh, he got shut down on YouTube. And then he said, I had a Calvinist who's always coming after me, making video after video. And then he's like, and I'm thinking, I'm in my mind, I'm like, is he talking about me? Is, is he referring to me? Oh. He can't be referring to me, right? And then he says, then he got some stu stomach bug and he had to have surgery. And, and I'm like, yeah, he's talking about me. He's talking about me here. And yeah, uh, there you go. not Living. that any of that happened when I was in the military and it was just kind of continuing to build up for years and years and years and um, mm -hmm. probably not eating the best things, you know, in life. And then it just got kind of worse and worse and uh, to the point where I've had surgeries and, and even had my nose broke trying to fix some of the things of what's going on. But all that was really just come down upon me because I had made videos and spoke out against Joseph Abraham. What do you think about yeah. that? We should touch that God's anointed, right? I mean, <clears throat> saw what happened with M Moses's body. Man, you got an angel and a demon fighting over it. Yeah, I mean, you just you just need to beware. It's kind of funny. I mean, at least maybe you should be proud that you get to live rent free in his in his head because he has to think about you. Like, why would he bring it up? You know, strike a nerve. Yeah. So, but how do you, does like, do they actually like sing hymns and pray and read scripture? Like, cause if you're not doing that or in the Lord's supper and baptism, like, is it really a church? I mean, I know we're going to talk about the church here in the second London Baptist confession coming up, but I'm just saying, is it yeah. really a church? Yeah. They, they do. Yeah, they do definitely sing some songs. Uh, we hear them singing. Sometimes Joe's leading them. But uh, as far as the Lord's uh, Supper and baptisms, those aren't present. Uh, but again, we'll probably define some of that when we get into the to the uh, show when we're talking about the church. Uh, and, and actually, even in that, there's ordinances when we get to those chapters within the 1689 as well. Um, because I'm sure Mike would attest that we don't always have a baptism at our church, probably just like he doesn't have a baptism every week at his church. However, those means of grace are partaking within that body. Um, but yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's just one of those things. Hebrew Israelites do that a lot as well. They will say that if somebody gets sick, I remember one time I was preaching the gospel out in public square and my, 
I had not changed my batteries in my half mile hailer for a long time. I usually, I usually use it until those batteries go dead because those D batteries aren't cheap and it takes 10 of them. Right. So <laughs> I usually take it as long as I can go, you know, and then when it starts coming down to the end of its life, it'll start peaking or the sound will start going in and out. And I was out there happened to be that day. They said it was all in the Lord's providence because my machine started to break down. And they said, see, that's, that's the, the most high shutting you down. Um, or, you know, if you're not feeling good, that's because you came against us. And, but this mentality only seems to happen when those individuals are being criticized or challenged in their beliefs. Yeah. And it's interesting. It brings up a story. Now my church where being encouraged by my pastor to read through the new Testament, um, 13 weeks started in August. And there's a story in which Jesus is sitting there and goes, why is this man blind? Was it the sin of him or the sin of his parents? And the short answer is it was neither. It's for God's glory mm -hmm. that this man was blind. And to, to think about that and not that, becoming sick isn't something that could be spiritually driven right by by god we see god plaguing people this is not something outside of his bounds but god uses other means too uses sickness not to necessarily plague people but to strengthen them to grow them to tr grow trust you know it's how you look at it. And obviously, if you think someone's wrong, you know, it's easy to kind of point out that kind of the opposite side. Look, it's because you're going against us, you're touching the Lord's anointing. Right. But yeah, and, and honestly, you just don't know. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, you can kind of in, in many of these instances, when you take like a Benny Hinn or a TD Jakes, Creflo Dollar, you know, who's the other, um, the Kenneth Copeland, the guy who was blowing COVID away here we are in 2021 and we got a Delta variant. So, but he blew it away, you know, uh, sometime in 2020. Um, but when you critique these guys, I think it's obvious that you can tell it's not touching someone's anointed or if somebody gets sick, it's not because they're coming against them because you can test what they teach by the word of God and yeah. the things that they are teaching by the word of God or the things that they are teaching don't line up with the word of God. And therefore you can know <clears throat> with almost a hundred percent certainty that these men are not of God. And so those people who are speaking out against them aren't receiving some kind of judgment of God for going up against a prophet. You know, this yeah. isn't like uh, uh, Elijah and the bears with these little kids, you know, that well, I don't know how young they were, but that were making fun of him, you know, bald yeah. head and they, they come and eat him. Yeah. And that's. I think it does play into that. You know, understanding, do we have prophets now or not? So you have part of that. But to think about it, even in like Elijah's case, you know, Elijah clearly had demonstrations of the work of the spirit in what he was doing. He was clearly a man of God and a prophet from God. Mm -hmm. What he spoke happened. He spoke by the word of God and the things were happened. That was the test of the prophet. No one else did that. There's all these false prophets. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, as you're saying, like you do have to test them telling people to sow their seed, the hundred dollars mm. and be investigated by governments for the mismanagement of money is nothing to scoff at. And I still remember, I don't know if you know this. So Inside Edition was doing um, Kenneth Copeland. And like the demonic face he mm -hmm. gave to the reporter 
on camera. Like you just look at those like, I mean, you could, t you can just see it. Yeah. Is that how Christ would have acted? It would, and part of it would be interesting to see what did Christ look like when he's turning tables in the temple mm -hmm. and to, to think of, about his demeanor there. It's not uncontrolled uh, with it. Yeah. But then you just get these so-called prophets. Let's, you know, just put it out there. I mean, in the end, they don't teach what the Bible says. And right. they're taking money from the poor. They're yeah. the anti-Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. They're King Richard. Or not King Richard. Um, Prince, what's his face? Yeah, the, it's very interesting. I did see that Inside Edition. And, uh, you know, here in America, I don't think we we think much about the demonic presence, you know, the, mm -hmm. the like things that happen, you know, there are possessions that happen in the world. There are demonic activity that, that happens. I mean, we know that we are, our, our weapons are not against, you know, physical things. Right. And yet we don't tend to consider those things often here in America. Cause we don't see, we don't live in those kind of cultures where that uh, I, I would say maybe plays more of a prevalent role within that culture. Right. You think of places like down south in, in Mexico or overseas in Asian areas that are very superstitious and very, you know, you're, you may see that a little bit more, right? Um, but we don't think about those things. And yet, when you watched his face, like you said, like it was, it was scary. Mm -hmm. Like what's coming out of this man? And you know, as you said, it's, it's not something of God where you are basically robbing people of their last dime, offering them some type of blessing, some type of spiritual blessing that they're not going to receive. You're manipulating them. You're, you're using them and you're using the name and blaspheming the name of God in the process for greedy gain. Uh -huh. And so you have, well, with Kenneth Copeland, you have these private jets, you know, you've got, big mansion with multiple cars. And again, and, and I'm not saying, and I know Mike wouldn't say that it's sin to be rich or to have wealth, mm -hmm. um, somebody who's doing well for themselves. Uh, but at the same time, if you are using the name of God to gain, to gain that wealth by manipulating people, by twisting the word of God, that is not, um, that's not, I mean, you're, you're only storing up more wrath for yourself on the day of judgment because you are professing to be a teacher of God's word and yet you're doing it for greedy gain and you're manipulating these people. Now, again, these individuals who sit under the, uh, the teaching of these people, uh, that just may be the judgment upon them as well. Uh -huh. While I do think there are some people that do get manipulated and sucked into it and eventually they will come out once they start to see and the Lord starts to move them away from it. Yeah. I don't know if I've shared this. I probably have. Um, so I used to work in a call center that had a contract with TBN. And just to show, it was heartbreaking. I couldn't. I did it for two weeks, and I never went back. Now, the contract was up. My contract was up. They only needed me for TBN's prayer-thon, which is, I guess, two weeks long. And the prayer requests that I got um, were disheartening at the least. Um, the one I remember most clearly. Now, being a Christian, I tried to frame these prayer requests into something of biblical substance. Mm. And usually because they're very vague. Um, so I could do kind of equally vague prayer requests. Like someone says, you know, Lord, to bless me with money. You can say something, you know, Lord, we 
We pray that you sustain us and, and provide for us, something like that. Um, one, I still, I still remember this. She comes on the phone. I answer the phone. She's, and I say my lines and she goes, well, the preacher just said, I need to pray specifically, which is good. Yes, we should pray specifically. So that's not the issue here. And then she keeps on going and says, so I just want, I want you to pray that I get a Chrysler 300 M. Now that's the short version. I actually had to, like, I was trying to figure out what she wanted me to say. Cause it was like, she was babbling over the Chrysler. So it was a Chrysler 300 M that's what she wanted. And like, you just, it's an expensive car. It's not a cheap car. Mm -hmm. And just to have someone praying for something so vain, it was just, it was heartful. This is like three o'clock in the morning when this is happening. And yeah, it was just, it was one of the worst experiences. Um, I've had kind of with Christian culture and, and my kind of my direct dealing with the prosperity gospel. Um, the same company had contracts with, um, John MacArthur and grace to you. Mm. They did call stuff for them too. So, you know, they're just a Christian call center helping Christian ministries out. But yeah, it was definitely, a kind of my eye-opening experience in yeah. the prosperity gospel world kind of being this contractor subcontractor whatever to um tbn for a prayerthon. yeah yeah that's crazy yeah i mean they manipulate these individuals to think that you basically whatever you ask of god if you can get people to agree with you then you're going to receive the, this, whatever it is you're asking. And, and that's not what the scriptures teach us. The, the scriptures do teach us that God answers prayer and he will answer prayer according to his will. And so if we are praying in accordance with his will, we will receive from God what he's promised to give. Right. So, I mean, but it's not a, a Chrysler three, 300, you know, it's not a, a Mercedes or a, jet, a, a private jet plane. God may, in his sovereignty and his providence, choose to give someone some something like that um, as a blessing for them. If, you know, uh, as a Christian, there are some some Christians that are, are wealthy and do well. I mean, you mentioned grace to you. I think John MacArthur does well, um, you know, writing books and having a seminary and uh, being a faithful preacher of the gospel for so many years in the word of God. But that is not the same thing as someone who's a millionaire, billionaire for, because mm-hmm. uh, I think I think Copeland's way up there. Uh, he may be a billionaire, who knows? But uh, but just not that no, high. not that high. But they're 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 doing it from a wicked place of deceit and deception, and basically, you know, they are not basically they are blaspheming the Lord in the process. But speaking of of false false teachers in that line. Um, well, in that line of the word, health, prosperity kind of preachers, there's also the movement of deconstructionism that's been going on lately, the progressive Christians. And they're not really progressing to anything more deep in the word of God. They're leaving the Bible and holding to more liberal uh, beliefs, you know, just kind of going away from Scripture. And so the clip that I'm going to play uh, is from our episode 317 when we had Jim Thornton on the program. Oh, uh, we had Jim, Jim Thornton boy. on the program. I seen Jim Thornton a couple weeks ago um, <clears throat> when we were at, or I was downtown Elyria handing out tracks and talking to people. And he had his back to me. And I didn't, I've, I've never met him personally and never ran into him personally. We live in Kind of, I think he lives in Elyria or in the same city, same vicinity anyways. I know his church is in Grafton, but it's right outside uh, Elyria. And I've never ran into him. And so I was out there and I walk up to this guy and I, 
say, Hey, get a gospel track. He turns around at Jim Thornton. So I'm <laughs> did like, he recognize you. <clears throat> he did. And I said, you definitely need to take this track. Like you, you need this. And, um, <laughs> then it, he kind of went into, he was like, well, I tried to meet with you guys outside personally before, like, instead of doing it on the radio show. And I said, well, I said, I have no problem meeting with you outside. I said, that was specifically for the radio program. So we had to come on to do the show. That's what we were trying to do. Um, but I told him to reach out to me and we could, you know, I, I'm more than willing to get together and have a conversation with him. It's been a couple yeah. of weeks. There's no reaching out. I don't, I don't foresee him wanting to do that. Uh, it's one of those things people say in the midst of a conversation with someone when they're uncomfortable and they just, you know, they don't really want to say what they really want to say to you. They just say, Oh yeah, sure. We'll get together. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, hey, but Lord willing, maybe it will. You never know. <clears throat> but Anyways, we did this show and I thought I was trying to do, I'm trying to do some things. I've been sick for the last couple of days. And so I was trying to utilize the time when I, when I was up to kind of edit some videos and get some things out for G220 Ministries YouTube page. And then I was like, you know, I need to do this for G220 Radio's page. We put something out every week on G220 Radio because we're live every Tuesday night. I said, but uh -huh. I think I'm just going to go in, grab an old clip of something and then kind of throw it up there and, and try to, I want to try to be a little more productive with that, taking some clips from old shows, putting them up, maybe a one, two, three minute clip, four minute clip at the most, or, or nothing more than, than that. And I came across that one with George, Nathaniel, you, me, and then our guest was Jim Thornton. And when I uh. clicked on it, I just kind of scrolled through and then I heard this little section. I was like, I got to put this up there. Um, and you're going to see, I mean, George just lays it out, the penal substitutionary atonement, you know, and so, uh, you know, here we go. Let me bring this, share this screen here. <clears throat> and, uh, oh, and by the way, check out one of, you saw one in the beginning, the new G220 radio intro. Uh, we have a four of them, but here's one of the other ones. Check it out. me and so there are things that i find <clears throat> valuable for me there are some absolute truths the the literal and physical physical death burial and resurrection of jesus christ is an absolute truth and that's something that will not ever be undone for me um but there are a lot of other things and positions that i've held that don't affect my my salvation do you, you know do you have to believe in penal substitutionary atonement to be saved or do you have yes. to believe Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior to be saved. Penal substitutionary atonement is an integral structure to the Christian faith, so much so that even Christian history. Say for, 500, for 500 years. Uh, I think you have your dates wrong. It's way sooner than that. Actually, I have some church fathers to quote you if you'd like, if you want to go in that direction, which is a very dangerous direction to go into. Well, I mean, we, we can go in whatever, any multiple different directions. Well, I'd like to show you some church fathers that actually believe in this, if you'd like. Yeah. There, there, there are a lot of church fathers that believed a lot of different things. But the point, the point is, I'm trying to make is, is not because everybody believed a whole bunch of different things. Therefore, we cannot know truth, and it cannot be noble, and therefore, penal substitutionary atonement is false. That's false logic. What I'm saying is, is that the idea of substitution, the fact that we were guilty, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, the fact that the death penalty that was upon us and the wrath of God that's upon us, according to what John says. Unless there's a substitute that takes that wrath or pays that penalty, redeems us, ransoms us, as Matthew talks about, Jesus Christ came as a ransom for many, anti, talking about instead of us, in our place. Unless something like that occurs, which all the Old Testament substitutionary uh, uh, sacrifices were pointing to, unless something like that takes place on our behalf, then we're totally lost. And God supplied himself a lamb, a perfect sacrifice, in which he was able to be satisfied by because there was no other way, as it says in the scripture, he gave himself because there's nothing else better to give for us so that we might become the righteousness of Christ. And the book of Hebrews testifies to his priesthood, his sacrifice, his finished work, his complete intercessory work, all that so that we might be redeemed from the curse of the law, from the demands of justice that were against us. All that is encompassed in penal substitutionary atonement. If you come to Christ and you confess your sins that you're a sinner and you need Christ to be saved, 
when you confess to be Christ, to be saved, it's not like, yes, I need to know everything about penal substitutionary when I come to Christ. But as you read the scriptures, this truth is going to be evident. And denial of penal substitutionary atonement is to commit a heresy, and it is to condemn yourself. Wow. My, he, he, he said a lot there. And uh, mm-hmm. George is a, is, a, is a wonderful brother, <clears throat> very articulate in the way that he explains uh, that there with the penal substitutionary atonement. And he should be because for so many years he had been writing and doing a lot of study on this topic. And so um, <clears throat> rightfully so. So, but I just thought it was very interesting in seeing this clip and you know, here you have Jim Thornton who says, uh, he asked the question, and I just loved, George was just straight to the point. He's like, do you have to believe in penal substitutionary atonement to be a Christian? He's like, yes. George is like, yes. Yes, you do, mm-hmm. right? But then he goes on <clears throat> to explain that, uh, you know, um, to explain that you don't have to fully understand all these things, but as you're beginning to grow in the scripture, which is something else we want to kind of off the cuff, cuff maybe talk about here tonight as well, is you don't have to necessarily know everything about it. But when you start getting into the scripture, if you're denying these truths, that's when it's a problem because that's heresy, you know? And I also thought it was interesting too, in that clip where Jim Thornton, and, and I see this with Keith Giles, who is along the same path of pre- progressive Christians, deconstructionists. They love to quote early church fathers until somebody quotes early church fathers that contradict their early church father quotes. And then they want to kind of throw it out because he, he, he started to say, well, that was only, you know, we have these early church fathers. And George is like, you really want to go there? That's a dangerous place, place, place to go. And then he goes and says, well, you know, there's a lot of early church fathers that said a lot of different things. Well, that's the point. Doesn't mean we still can't know truth, is what George was saying there. Yeah, and to that point, um, when we think about the church fathers, we have to remember that theology grows, and where the church fathers are ambiguous at best is not a very good line to s- draw in the sand. Now. To George's point, the letter of Diognetus is very clear about substitutionary atonement. It's not using that language. That's not something there. So that's acronistically what we say to describe what they're talking about. But the letter of Diognetus, very clear about this idea of having a substitution, that we need some other place. Even as George was saying, the gospel message, if we believe... We need someone to take our sins. There's this idea of substitution. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at the church fathers, we have to understand is a lot of times they're developing the early strands of things. Yeah. Arius arises because while there is this idea of the Trinity, it's not clear. It's not that it's not there. It's in scriptures. Obviously, when he makes the claim, they're having debates on this. Here's the Jehovah Witness things. Well, Trinity didn't come around until Tertullian, who's the earliest that we know of, in the 300s, 200s. Well, yes, that's true. But that doesn't say the whole story. Mm-hmm. What are some of the underlying... The you read the literature, you read how they are putting these together. They are talking the spirit as God. Yes, they're not explaining it the way we do it. They're not saying he is one person in three. He's one nature in three persons. Get this straight. And how all that is, but they're they have no problem calling the Holy Spirit God. They recognize that, and the same thing with substitution. And even the idea, which if I remember right, and um, Jim Thornton is he's going with like the Christer Vic, the Christus Victor position, mm-hmm. is what he holds to, and having that, you know, they they are talking about the ransom theory, and you know they're using these terms, but they're not fully fleshed out. They're not developed in the way to do it, right, and we have to be careful with that 
um, what does the church fathers hold on to? It's not until you get Arius saying, well, God is, Jesus is created. Does the church really have to start fleshing that out? What does it mean to be Orthodox now? Why is he saying that? Which was new. It was progressive. It was what we would call progressive. It was new. It was pushing that envelope. And yeah, you just can't use the church fathers to, um, in one sense, use the church fathers just to say, you know, this belief is right. And, and they, they, we have to understand it that they're not monolithic, but they're also not always as clear as we want them to be on what they believe. And that's what, how it is. But I do think, and George will probably, you know, back me up. And in the, some of the rings I do is you do have this sense of substitutionary atonement very early, even before mm -hmm. you have, um, I can't think of the, the first one. I kind of really presented it as right as a topic um, before that Latin father. He was in a church father. Yeah, and so with that as well, the whole perfect theology as opposed to perfecting our theology, right? So somebody doesn't have to necessarily fully understand what is taught in penal substitutionary atonement right when they become a believer. Just as someone who hears the gospel that Christ died on the cross, was buried and rose again the third day, defeating sin and death, if you repent and believe in him, you can have eternal life, may not fully grasp the Trinity. They may not fully grasp how that salvation even worked itself out. But yet, they can still be saved without perfect theology. But as we continue to grow in that sanctification process, we are perfecting that theology. Actually, it's God in us working uh -huh. to perfect that theology, to, to not lead us astray to help us to grow deeper in our understanding. And that's something that I think sometimes we, we fail to realize, we fail to recognize. We have people <clears throat> in the reform camp. I don't even know why I said camp. I think because I hear people say it all the time. And, but people that hold to reformed theology that um, would say that if you are a, not a Calvinist, if you are not reformed, you're not saved. Well, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Uh, and they would call those of us and, and others who would say that's ridiculous as compromising Calvinist or cowardly Calvinist. Why are we enabling someone who's not reformed? That's not, you know, they're not a Christian. We should be pointing them to the gospel. Well, because, I mean, experience doesn't dictate truth, but you don't know everything right when you get saved. Some people get saved in a Reformed church, and they're brought up understanding those Reformed teachings, and so they may know it, they may grasp it, but somebody else may get saved because they're just hearing the gospel in an, in an independent fundamentalist Baptist church, and they get saved, and they hear the gospel, and they don't come to Reformed theology. Doesn't mean they're not a believer, right? Now, we get into areas where if you're denying essentials of the faith, then, yeah, you're outside the faith. Uh, and I would say, because um, open theism has been a hot topic lately, the last you know week or so, um, <clears throat> within the Hebrew Israelite quote unquote urban apologetics crew, and um, I would say that there are things that are lend themselves to it. So the the consistent position for an Arminian is open theism, right? Uh -huh. However, not everyone who believes in free will is going to take that to its logical conclusion and say God denies or that God doesn't know all things. You know, they're going to hold fast to the fact that they believe God's omniscience, right? So <clears throat> we have to be able to understand and give grace to our brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, who and, and recognize we don't, none of us have perfect theology that doesn't make excuses for us not to perfect it, not to grow deeper in it. Hmm. R.C. Sproul has perfect theology. He does now. now. Now, yeah. I think that's an important distinction. Even when we think about the click with our, our friend Jim Boy, and I don't know if he likes to be called that. I just did. Um, that 
we have to grow. And there is this renewing of our minds. I think it's not just that we don't know, you know, different truths. It's that we have bad theology that needs to be replaced with good theology. We have theology that we have developed as creatures suppressing the truth of unrighteousness as suppressing the truth. And we need the spirit to help us to remove that truth, false truth, and, and, and give us true, what is true, what is good and what is lovely and beautiful and the things that we are to think about. And there's that, that movement with it. And ultimately the question, when you think about perfect theology was, well, did the sinner on the cross have perfect theology before Jesus said today, you'll be with me in paradise, but he didn't have time to show works of any, we know he's repented. But that's all we know of him. He, he's not able to do anything for Christ on mm -hmm. the cross. And so you, there is that thinking through it. Now, that's not just, you know, we can always kind of be in that state. That's wrong. Also, we are to grow and to know. Right. And to understand and to delight in the law and to meditate on day and night. You see those. Um, in the Old Testament, this devotional life, including even in the New Testament, not forsaking the assembling of the saints. And, you know, that comes with it. But we are growing. There is a, a growing aspect. And we're not called to have this perfect theology right off the bat, because if that was the case, I mean, I guess there'd be no denominations like that would be wonderful. Like mm -hmm. God saves us. We have perfect theology, um, but he doesn't, which then requires trust in our part and to grow. And then the delight in the study of it to get to know him, to work on it. Yeah, as we would work with other relationships, this the relational part of our religion that we're we're have a we engage with a God who is not far off like the deist God. He is close in hand to us, and we live in His being, and so there's that that call to to know Him and to push and to go whether you understand the deep doctrines of the faith is one thing that should be a pursuit of ours but like the warning we see we shouldn't forsake our first love either mm -hmm. i think that's where you have some of these where they're going beyond the scripture and forsaking our first love which is christ as revealed to us through the scripture yeah yeah, absolutely. And it, it's important in how we engage with one another and, and have grace with one another, uh, loving our brethren uh, and, and you know, being willing and able to have discussions, to talk about these things, because, again, you don't have to have the answers to everything, but we should be willing to sit down with a brother or sister in Christ and have dialogue, have discussions concerning the word of God. Let's open it up and let's talk about it. You know, <clears throat> and um, we should be able to be mature enough uh, for those of us who are in Christ to do that. You know what I mean? Um, another thing I want to share with you guys here, uh, we don't often do this on G220 radio where we ask for donations or support or whatnot. Uh, but I'm excited because um, I decided to change up the website g220ministries.com. If you go to www.g220ministries.com, I made some changes to the website. I That old look that was there, if you had been to the website before, it's gone. Okay. And here, let me share it with you. The <clears throat> 90s look? I was really retro with that. Was it 90s? I don't know. So, now, 90s. so now you got this here. You get a little uh, up here in the corner. You get a, a, um, 
a menu, you know, button that drops down. Um, the logo here, GT20 Ministries logo. And my face here on the on the page, I don't know if it'll stay like that, but this basically just tells you, welcome to the website. This is what GT20 Ministries is about. Definitely and then the wrong, wrong, wrong website. website. Oh boy, you went to some other GT20 Ministries. <clears throat> GT20 Ministries is a website. Yeah. But uh, it comes down here, you know, we've got on here the, the local church, you know, if you're looking for a local church, because ultimately, if you read the bio there up above it is we want to partner with local churches. We believe that God works through the local church. So we have a ministry here, evangelistic ministry. We do the radio show, uh, but we're both members of local churches and we, we consider the local church very and vitally important, which is why we're going to uh, we're going to talk about that more when we get to it with the uh, 1689. But if you come down here, it says G220 Ministry Social Media. As you can click on one of these, it'll take you to our YouTube page or Facebook. And then down here, ways to financially support the G220 Ministry. Now, here's four ways in which you can help support G220 Ministry. You can click on PayPal here. It'll take you to the PayPal, and you can just donate. Uh, Cash App, same thing. You click on the Cash App. You can go there and donate. Buy me a coffee. Same thing. You can you can click on buy me a coffee and it will take you to our, our page for that. And you can buy us one, three or five coffees. And so whatever it is that you're you're buying, you're not literally buying us a coffee. You're 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 donating uh, to the ministry. And then uh, over here is bonfire. Now, I, I've been having fun. I don't know what people think of some of these shirts. I know I've, we've sold some. Um, Nathaniel and Trent had bought uh, a couple shirts uh, and I picked up one today, but uh, I'm just going to click on that here. And it's going to take you to Bonfire. We've got a store here on Bonfire. And, you know, I just created a couple more here with the G220 Ministry logo. Uh, here's some G220 radio shirts in here, a few different designs, different colors. Uh, and this one, I had to do it. It says, I'm the Calvinist that your Arminian pastor warned you about, right? For fun, I did it. Oh, I don't know if... If somebody will will want to wear that, I, I'm going to get me one. I'm just going to wear it for fun. Um, and then uh, an iron sharpens iron here. Uh, essential, uh, the church Christ died for. So that's one I, I made up. Again, this is just me coming up with some of these designs here. The, what is the chief end of man and glorify God, love him forever, uh, enjoy him forever. Uh, and a few others, you know, that are here on this page. Now, and I say that because um, when you... If you would like one of those shirts, you buy a shirt and a percentage of that money comes to the ministry. So these are four ways in which you can support the ministry. So I would encourage you to go to www.g20ministries.com. Take a look at the website. Still work in pro progress. We got to do some things for the, um, the radio aspect of it. Uh, there's some things I want to add on there, put in there. Um, just like I've got my face on the front of this, I'd like to do something with me and Mike, when you come to the, the radio page where we just kind of talk about, hey, this is GT20 Radio, join us and and then have it up there where people can, you know, click on it and uh, know what we're all about. So you can check that out at uh, gt20ministries.com and uh, yeah, support us if you can. Uh, pray for us. Uh, we, we always definitely appreciate your your prayers and support. Um, and any any donations that we receive, just letting you know, I mean, everything that we do as a ministry comes out of our own pockets. Um, so we provide what we need to for the radio program. We provide what we need to when it comes to evangelism, whether it's buying tracks or equipment to go out on the streets. Um, and so the, the platforms that we use and whatnot for the radio program. So all these things are things that come out of our pockets and we enjoy doing it. We enjoy having the program. But if you want to help support and donate to us, whether it's one time or monthly, however you'd like to do that, uh, it definitely would help uh, offset some of those costs. Um, we're still going to do it. I mean, Lord willing, till till we're unable to, but uh, it would offset some of those costs. All right. So some other things kind of maybe want to throw out there is um, balancing time. You know, like it's a hard thing to do especially in our society today, because there's so many things that can take your time away. You know, like I, I've, I've been sick for the last couple of days, really didn't feel like doing too much uh, work work around the house. I know my wife wanted me to put something up on the chicken coop, but uh, I just, you know, there's so much things that there's so many things that want to occupy our time. How do we balance that? How do we, how do we go about trying to, uh, 
be better about redeeming the time that we have, you know, and um, <clears throat> it can be difficult because, I mean, there's social media, there, there's games, there's TV, there's the internet. Uh, so many things can take our time and just eat it up. You know, I've been off since um, Sunday. Like, well, I mean, I worked Saturday, was off Sunday, Monday, and today. I go back to work tomorrow. It's quick, three days, and it's already time to go back to work. That's how fast time goes. So how do we balance that time? How do we redeem that time? It's like an age-old question that the Bible speaks about. Um, you know, to take popular, what, 10 years ago, the yellow. You only live once. It's a very real idea. And the Bible has lots to say about time how we redeem the time because the the days are evil and to consider all of that you know having a good idea of just the shortness we live on earth you know here now after the flood man's life is no more than 120 years we get, you know, what, 70-ish years maybe to to live on this earth, which is really short when we really consider that we're in 2000. Mm -hmm. Like our, as um, Ecclesiastes says, our life is just a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that brings the brings about some sort of support brings brings it to a sober moment on how we live our lives i think too we also get caught up in related with this and i'll try these together is that our life is never exciting it's mundane it's boring again i think that's something we should consider within it. But when we look at Ecclesiastes, the big takeaway, there's really two, to obey God and to enjoy the life God has given to you, to do the work he's given to you, to love the wife of your youth, that the, the, Work, in a sense, is vanity if it's the end goal. And we have to consider what what our work is. How does that relate with our family, which God has put us together and should be our focus? And how, and not only that, the spiritual, our own spiritual needs. These are... I mean, battles that I fight every day, mm. trying to renovate a basement, learn a new trade, a career, working 40 hours, being a father, being a husband, being a volunteer in my church. It's a lot. And so it takes time. It's, it's knowing, it's understanding the importance of what it is assigning it and understanding that God has made us to work and we have these things to work, but God has also given us pleasures to enjoy and that our time is a balance to work and to do the things that God has called us to do. But we're also called to rest and have recreation and to be refreshed. I mean, I think that's part of, the six and one, the having that Sabbath day to rest mm. and not only just to rest from earthly labors, to have that break, which is important, but more so to have that day set aside to not only rest and be refreshed, but to worship God ultimately with it mm. there, 
to think about in God's command, even if you're not like a strict Sabbatarian, there is rec um, rest is good. Sleep is good. And we need to learn, and I especially need to learn to learn how to not waste as much time as I do and focus, have more focused work, recreation time in it. I think, and that's how God has designed us. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of those things you have to constantly be thinking of ways to improve, to redeem that time. <clears throat> For example, uh, just in application of my own life, trying to work through some of these things, right? We do a radio show every Tuesday night. We set it for mm -hmm. nine o'clock and, you know, we get done at 10. It's an hour show. Sometimes Mike and I go a little longer just talking afterwards. Sometimes we can't, you know, because, you know, tired or we got to get sleep or hungry, whatever it may be. But we set that time aside for Tuesday nights. But then through the rest of the week, we try to balance that time. We have our midweek services. Ours is on Thursdays. Mike's, I think, is on Wednesdays. Right. Yep. So we, we, we try to make sure we keep that day separated from anything else so that we can go and, and be a part of those uh, um, gatherings with our churches. And then the other days of the week, we try to do what we can family time or um, we do ministry. So trying to balance those things. My wife, every other week, takes the kids out to Fremont in the evening. And while she does that, I've been talking with her and said, hey, you know, when you do that, I, I think I'm going to go and downtown Cleveland on those days so that you're going one direction and I'm going another direction. And then, you know, I'll be out here for a couple hours. You'll be there for a couple hours. And then when we come back, you know, we can spend that time together then and I'll be home and she'll be home um, and utilize that time. Try to do the best that I can with that time to go and do something that I love to do and something that she has to do, but taking the kids out there, then it just kind of allows us to utilize that time to the best of our abilities where we can accomplish what we're trying, what, you know, what we're trying to accomplish um, and working together as a family. My wife supports, you know, doing ministry and things and uh, the radio program and these things. And so trying to balance those things, but then also recognizing that if I don't get to go evangelize, um, I love to spend time with my family. And so I'm not of the mindset, like sometimes uh, in the past of places where I've been in the past, where like, if you don't share the gospel with so-and-so, they're and they die and go to hell it's on you no i can have complete rest and trust in god's sovereignty that if i choose not to go evangelize with the guys on a certain day and spend time with my family that god is pleased with either that i choose to do you know what i mean um and ultimately my family may need that time and i may need that time with family so trying to manage those things right and, and balance those things out trying to when the kids kids are getting ready to start up school i want to get back into college evangelism so trying to go during the morning time when I know they're doing homeschooling for a few hours and I can kind of go and not, not disrupt their day by because I'm home and maybe want to go go running around and do something because I, I would love to do the homeschool uh, um, uh, field trips every time I'm off. You know, let's go do something fun. Let's go to the zoo or let's go do, do something like that. But you could still do those if I go and spend a couple hours at the college, come back and then spend the rest of the afternoon uh, with the family, you know, and so just trying to balance those things out. Not perfect at it, still trying to work through some of those things to do the best we can uh, and continue to grow in that. And then, you know, um, it's all, that's all we can do is just try to redeem the time and utilize it to the best of our abilities because time is short. It is but a vapor. You're here today and gone tomorrow. What is the most precious thing that we have here on this earth? Number one, we need to worship the Lord. As we said, we set aside one day for the, for the worship of the Lord on the Lord's day. Uh, we ultimately, we worship God every day, but I mean, you know, we set aside that time and then loving your family and ministering to your family, uh, discipling your family. Uh, that's important. And then, you know, um, whatever ever activities you got going on, you, you know, I mean, just trying to redeem all of that or, or, or redeem the time and balance all of that. And it's difficult. Yeah. So I'm trying to find... You know, you think about, you know, time and Jeremiah twenty nine eleven pops up. 
Sorry. I was trying to remember a verse. I'm not finding it. Um, here. Um, maybe. And so, yeah, here, Pro Psalm 90, 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's a prayer to God. Try to get a better context um, with that. But to think, you know, the heart of that. Teach us to number our days. To see, to think about just how in how short it is. And to then plan accordingly because we know the days are evil. And doing, helping us plan allows us kind of in a sense to do what God has called us to do in the moment. Yeah. And I think it does mean in our, and this is going to be frowned upon our culture, is that times when you just have to say no. Mm -hmm. I can't do this. I don't have the time to do this. And that thinking is kind of liberating. Like, I think part of us, we don't want to say no. I also think we use, I don't have time as an excuse when we do have time. So you have that, those kind of two extremes that we live in. And but to to consider our days what's important what's not and then using them for the glory of god the time that he's given to us because god gives and he takes away we don't know when god will take away take us yeah. away <clears throat> and what are you, are you going to be found faithful in that time and you mentioned you know, that's not just work, 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 work. That's not how God designed us. God designed us to work and have recreation. Playing Wii, playing games, video games is not a sin in and of themselves. Now the games you may be playing is sin, but sitting down and playing Wii, you know, Mario Kart is not a sin unless it's stopping you from doing what needs to be done. But that can be a form of rest and help to rejuvenate of mm -hmm. giving you this, the strength to go and to do what needs to be done. It's again, that balance it's yes, we need to work, but God is also to create because if you keep working, you get burned out. Right. And you don't do what you're supposed to. And that is sin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And absolutely. I think Cynthia, who's watching on uh, YouTube, maybe she started and came in and then rewound all the way back to the beginning. And she's quoted up and said, Matt Slick always says, my church father can beat up your church father. So probably around the time where she is of where we were talking about uh, the early church fathers. But uh, but yeah, I mean, man, I, definitely we want to redeem our time because you never know what tomorrow brings. And, you know, when I was up in uh, Lancaster with my family visiting uh, my wife's sister, um, we went up to Pottstown and evangelized with a couple brothers up there. And a pastor came up that they knew and we started talking. And this pastor said, yeah, an old friend of mine contacted me and was like saying, hey, I really want to talk to you. I really want to talk to you. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm gonna, we'll, we'll get together. And he kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Not because he was intentionally doing it. He was just busy. You know, mm -hmm. and then this individual ended up committing suicide and it was really beating him down, you know, that he didn't pick up the phone and, and call this guy um, because he was just so busy with the things of the world. Now, again, there we have to realize and understand that in God's sovereignty and God's providence, you're not necessarily the you're not the one responsible for that actions of that individual. Um, it can weigh on you, but sometimes you have to be able to prioritize some things with ministries and say no. And then there's other times where you look at things and if it's an old friend or something or a family member that has a need um, 
taking making that a priority to to take care of those needs, right? Um, either way you look at it, tomorrow is not promised for anyone. Uh, we're living in a time of a pandemic where, um, if you compare it to the flu, I mean, you're still losing you're still losing lives. People die, right? Um, so whether yeah. you think it's a, a, a terrible pandemic or the the it's the black plague of our time, which I don't think the numbers add up to, but we're, regardless of where you are with that, um, nobody's promised tomorrow, you know. And we just get so wrapped up, so busy doing so many things, you know. Um, even today, just thinking of trying to get things accomplished, get things done, and Piper just wants to play. Piper wants to do this, and it's like, no, not right now, not right now. Well, why not? Because you never know what tomorrow brings. You know what I mean? And yeah. and so we just have to really think about those things to redeem that time, to balance our time, to put those priorities that are priorities first and foremost, uh, and love our families, uh, and ultimately, above all things, love the Lord, serve the Lord, and worship the Lord. And so um, I had a few other things maybe we could have thrown out there tonight, but we are definitely at the end of the program tonight. I know I'm tired. Mike's probably tired after a long day as well, and so we will keep this one on time. Mike, any last words? You know, I guess you might not be able to take everything we said, but if you have any comments about what we said, if you think your church father can beat up my church father, just drop a line. We can discuss it, hash it out. All right, so that's been G220 Radio. Until next time, God bless.